I hope you're having a great day. Thank you for making us a part of your day and welcome to The Quest. Always good to spend time together. And if you're checking us out, we encourage you to scan the QR code that's right there. That QR code will pop up a link. That link will give you some more information about who we are as a church, our vision, our passions. Also, if you want someone to pray for you, you can fill out a prayer request and make it as anonymous as you want. But we would love to pray with you. We would love to connect with you. That QR code helps our connection to be everything that you want it to be. We would love to connect with you. If you're a part of the quest, we also, that QR code will allow you to give online. A lot of people have asked how they can give online and how they can be a part of investing in God's vision that he's given to us. That's the way to do it. We encourage you to do it because every gift is valued and appreciated. One of the things that we're doing right now is we're raising money for live streaming equipment so that we can live stream our gatherings. While this has been a great venue, we would like to kick it up a notch so to include our worship. We would like to kick it up a notch to include the community of worship that we do together. Every gift that's given, we appreciate so very much. Just want to remind you that all of our talks are available in podcast form. All you have to do is search Fresno Quest Church on any of the podcast platforms and you can find all of our talks available there to you while you're driving or whatever you're doing. Before we get into the talk today, how about if we pray together? Father, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your goodness in our lives. Thank you for pouring yourself into our lives, for blessing us beyond what we deserve, for blessing us beyond our wildest dreams. Father, I just thank you for each person that's listening. Father, you know their hearts, you know their needs, you know their lives. And not only know them, but Father, you're with them at this very moment. I ask that you would speak into their lives encouragement. I ask that you would speak into their lives peace. Father, I ask that you would touch their lives and bring wholeness and health and healing to their physical bodies, their emotional bodies, their spiritual bodies. Father, I ask that you would pour yourself into us today. Speak to our hearts. We desperately need your promises in our lives to keep us going, to fight the discouragement, to fight the fear. Father, bless my friends. Be with them. Father, those that are in Ukraine right now, that the missionaries that we support there, the people that are suffering there, I ask that you would be with them, you'd step in, and that you would do what only you can do. Father, we lift up our brothers and sisters all over the world that are suffering in many ways that we cannot even understand that you would be with them today and give them strength and that you would rescue them as they need you today in a very real way. Father, again, we love you. Thank you. Speak to our hearts today. Make yourself real in our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're wrapping up a series today entitled Promises, Promises, and that title can either communicate the absence of or the lack of promises and substance or the abundance. We're looking at the abundance of promises in our life, the abundance of God's promises to us. Promises are important in every relationship that we have. In a marriage, you stand before God and your family and you make promises that are supposed to last you a lifetime. It's a promise that shows your love for each other. It's a promise that shows your commitment to one another. But as you know, promises are only as reliable as the person making them. The promises we make reflect us as people. In other words, our promises are only as reliable and dependable as we are as individuals. This is why the promises of God are so important to us. God's promises reflect His strength, His dependability, His reliability, and His faithfulness to us. God's promises to you provide strength for you because His promises are based on Him and He is strong. 
One last time, we want to look at the definition of promise and, and what that actually means. And the first definition is this. A promise is an offer with a guarantee result. It's the assurance that someone will do what they say that they will do. Do you have the assurance, the complete confidence that God will do for you what he says he will do? Here's another definition that's this. A promise is the assurance that God gives to his people so that we can walk by faith while we wait for God to work. The promises of God keep us going. They're not just something that we hold on to while we wait and do nothing. They are, in fact, the activity of our faith. We act on them as we rely upon them. God's promises communicate what he desires to do in us and for us. In fact, you could write this down on your notes, and it's this. Don't let what you're going through keep you from experiencing what God has for you. Do you know that whatever you're dealing with today, whatever you're facing, whatever you might be struggling through, God has not left you. He has something far better for you. In fact, God's promises to us remind us that he has something better for us. In times of difficulty, we need God's promises to keep us going. The book of Hebrew reminds us of what we need to do, and it says this. It says, let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. God always keeps his word. Do you have a firm grip on the promises of God? Because the promises of God are what's going to keep you going. The promises of God are what's going to protect you from discouragement. The promises of God are what's going to protect you in fear. Allow the promises of God to keep you going so that you don't get discouraged and you don't give up. God's promises to us help us to keep focused on him during the difficulty, during the darkness, during the times of uncertainty that we go through in life. Here's another feeling on your notes you can write down. God's promises remind us that something good from God is coming to us. Are you confident of that? Do you know that God has something good coming to you? It allows us to live with a sense of hope and anticipation. So do you live with that hope? Do you live with anticipation that God has something better ahead for you? Are you anticipating that in today? Are you anticipating that this week, in your future, in your spiritual life? Are you allowing that anticipation to give you hope in life? So one of the promises that we're going to look at today is this. You can write it down. God's promises to you tells you he has a place for you. I personally think this is one of the greatest promises God has for us. I mean, they're all spectacular. They're all necessary. They're all needed in our lives. But I think it's so easy to forget that God has a place prepared for us. It's called heaven. This may be hard for some of you to believe, but heaven is better than Fresno. I know that's hard for some of you to believe. I don't know where you live personally, but listen, heaven is better than where you live. We have many friends in Texas, and they refer to Texas as God's promised land. I mean, don't get me wrong. We love Texas, too. We lived there for many years. But they call it the promised land because there's so much about Texas that they love. So many things about Texas for them make it better than any place on earth to them. But listen, heaven is better than Texas. A lot of people live as if this earth is as good as it gets. There's a country song that says, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go now. We're okay with going to heaven, but only when we're done living here on earth, only when we get tired of things here on earth. In fact, heaven is probably not the primary place people want to be. Because again, many people live as if this is as good as it gets. 
And the problem with that thought process is this. For those of you that know God, this is as bad as it gets. It only gets better. But for those who don't know God, this is as good as it gets, and it only gets worse. We have to understand something, that God created us to live on. When our earthly bodies cease to function, when they no longer work and they no longer hold our spirit and our soul, we don't cease to exist. God designed the soul and the spirit of man to go on and live for eternity. And where we spend that eternity is up to you and I. It's up to us. We can spend it with God or we can spend it away from God. But we need to write this point down. It's an important point. God wants to spend eternity with you and he's done all he can to make that happen for you. God created the idea of heaven and the place of heaven was made for you. God's not trying to keep you out of the place that he made for you to live in. Look, let's look at this promise one of the times that it's mentioned to us in the Bible. Jesus said this. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust in me. There are many rooms in my father's house. I would not tell you this if it were not true. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Listen, heaven is not a projection of the best we can come up with. Heaven is not a longed for utopia. Heaven is not here on earth no matter what Belinda Carlisle sings. Our thoughts do not make heaven, nor do they define heaven. Another point to write down is this. Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. Remember, just as a reminder, the promises of God are for the family of God, those who have put their faith in Jesus, the Son of God. So the promise of heaven is for the family of God to be with their heavenly Father. God, in fact, created everyone to go to heaven. And he made it possible for everyone to get to heaven. But he gave us the choice as to whether or not we would enter into heaven. Why is it that we would want to go to heaven anyway? For some people, the reason they want to go to heaven is because, well, it's better than the alternative. And that's the best that they can come up with. It's not the right reason, but it's their reason. They look at the promise of heaven as a fire insurance policy, if you would. But listen, heaven was not created to be a fire insurance policy. The problem with that kind of thought process is this. The motivation for heaven becomes one of fear rather than one of love. Let me give you some reasons why I think we should want to go to heaven. The first and primary reason we want to go to heaven is this. We will be together with God. We will be united with the creator of our lives, the love of our soul. We have to understand what happens when we pass, when we die, when we leave these bodies. The scripture says it this way. We are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be at home with the Lord. God wants us fully confident to be absent here is to be present there. Our last breath here on this earth is our first breath there in heaven. Revelations 22 tells us about heaven where it says this, that people will worship God and will see him face to face. The purpose of heaven is this, that God wants us to be with him more than we want to be with him, actually. Remember, he created us. We didn't create him. He created you to love you and to be with you. Remember, Jesus said it this way, I'm going to prepare a place for each of you. Then we will be together. The message of heaven has always been nothing between us and God. Listen really quick to one of the descriptions of heaven. Let it just whet your appetite, if you will. 
It says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. The relationship that we have with God that begins by faith on this earth is continued there in heaven in person, face to face. That's exciting. Another reason that we want to go to heaven is this. We will be together with loved ones. This isn't the primary reason for desiring heaven, but heaven is a place of perfect happiness. It's, it's one of its greatest joys that we will be united and reunited with those that have gone on before us. King David talked about this after the loss of his infant son when he says, someday I will go to be with him. He cannot come back to me. David felt the great loss, but he also knew that he would see his son again. In Thessalonians, it tells us this. It says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know that what will happen to the believers who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. It goes on to say this in the message translation. It says, oh, we'll be walking on air and then there will be one huge family reunion with the master. So reassure one another with these words. I love that. Reassure each other with these words. Remind each other of this promise that is to come. Remember, this is not all that there is. Remember, heaven is better than Fresno or wherever it is that you live. Set your hope on what is to come. John wrote about being caught up into heaven and what he saw there. And he wrote that for us in Revelations. I want to read a part of it for you. It says this. John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. I heard somebody explain this scripture, and the way that they explained it just resonated with me. It made so much sense why John would use these words and why he would say, and there would be no sea. You see, John wrote this scripture when he was exiled on the island of Patmos. He was removed from the church. He was removed from community, removed from family, friends. He was isolated and alone. The sea was, in fact, a barrier that prevented him from connecting with the people that he loved so much, the people that he missed so much. So many scholars believe that the reason why John wrote it this way was that there would be no more separation from loved ones in our life, no more isolation, no more aloneness. As believers, we look forward to being reunited with our friends and family in heaven. Listen, I also want to say something very carefully when it comes to this being reunited and being together with those that we love. When being reunited with family and friends becomes our primary reason for wanting to go to heaven, we have to be careful that they do not become our God. It becomes a form of idolatry, which in fact can keep us out of heaven because our friends and family have become the primary focus of our love, not God. I'm not saying that you can't long to be with your family and friends and you can't long to see them. Absolutely. I'm just saying we have to be careful because God is the primary reason why we want to go to heaven. He is, in fact, the love of our life. Here's another reason why we want to go to heaven, and that's this. Heaven is a place of wholeness. 
Last week we talked about peace being shalom, meaning it's a completeness and a wholeness. Heaven is a place of peace. Heaven is a place of restoration and healing. It's a place of being renewed to the condition we were created to be in. No more sickness, no more pain, no more sadness, no death, no sin, no hunger, no thirst, no racism, no murder, no fear, and no tears. I love this scripture. It says this, that God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death, no mourning, no crying, no pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Verse 7 picks up, says, Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Remember, the promise of God belongs to the family of God. I hope that you're a part of the family of God. If you're not, you can be before this is over. I love that God doesn't just comfort us. He heals us. He doesn't just say, hey, you're going to be all right. He personally removes the pain. He personally touches us. He personally wipes away every tear. Listen, I know that in this talk, I'm not able to address all of the other attributes of heaven and all the other reasons why we want to go to heaven. I mean, first of all, we get to worship God face to face. The streets are made with pure and transparent gold. The foundation of the city is made with gems. The gates of the city, each one, are made out of one pearl. Walls are made of jasper. There is no sun and no moon because God is the light. We'll get a brand new body. No more falling in our walk with God. No more sin. How awesome is that going to be? I want you to remember that the promise of God to you reminds you that He has a place for you. A place that He has created for you. Let me also give you another promise that's also tied and related to heaven. And it's this. God's promise to you tells you that Jesus is coming back for you. It's not just that heaven is our home. Heaven is not just the place where we go and we die. Remember, the promises of God give you hope. They realign our passions. They keep us focused. They remove the distractions in this world. The promise of God is this. He's coming back for you. He didn't just create a place for you. He's coming back to personally get you. The second coming of Jesus should fill you with joy and hope as well as anticipation. Let's read the promise again from the beginning. It says, Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust in me. There are many rooms in my father's house. I would not tell you this if it were not true. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Listen, God has a place that he's made just for you. And if you have a relationship with God, if you've surrendered your life to Christ and you've embraced Christ, what he's done on the cross for you, Jesus is coming back for you. That should fill you with excitement. It should change how you look at the world that we live in right now. Listen, the promises of God provide for us the encouragement that we need. And God knows we need encouragement in our lives. In all that we face, in all of the gloom and the despair, and all of the war and the tragedies and the things that you face, God knows that you need encouragement. It changes you and it gives you strength to make it through. Let me read another scripture that explains this second coming, where it says this in Thessalonians. It says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. 
First the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth, will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. Be encouraged. The God who loves you is coming back for you. The God who loves you has a place for you. What you're going through reminds you that this is not your home. And God has specifically made a place for you that is free from all the things that make this world so corrupt. Listen, since we have a relationship with Jesus, since we're citizens of heaven, since we know where we're going, since we know that God has created a place for us, what do we do while we're still here on earth? What is the action step that helps us to make it through all that we're going through? And I would say, if I give you just one action step, it's this. Think about the place that God has for you and let it change how you live. Let your thoughts of heaven change your lifestyle. How often do you think of heaven? Because our thoughts establish our lifestyle. Our thoughts establish our priorities. How we think determines how we live. How we think determines how we feel. I love Colossians that it says this. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Verse 10 says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Listen, when we start thinking about the realities of heaven, it keeps us looking up. We look to God for help, for strength, for courage, for faith. We look to God for everything that we need. When we start thinking about heaven, we think of the God of heaven. It reminds us of the audience that we live for. We don't live to fit into this world. We don't live for the approval of people. We live for the audience of God. So I set my desires on God and I trust God more. When I start thinking about heaven, the circumstances that I'm currently in don't seem so final. I'm reminded that this is only a season and in light of eternity, this is a short season. The difficulties of this life are temporary. When I start thinking about heaven, I start thinking about the God of heaven. When I start thinking about heaven, I become less satisfied with this world. I want to encourage you to do that. Set your thoughts on heaven. Set your mind on heaven. Allow it to be a part of the spiritual discipline in your life. As I close, I want to pray with you, but I want to remind you that the promises of God belong to the family of God. And if you're not in the family of God, this is your time for that. All you have to do is surrender yourself to Christ. All you have to do is accept what Jesus did on the cross for you. I would encourage you to go back and to watch some of this series. Because one of the points that we made a couple of weeks ago is what we do with the Son of God it really matters. We either accept Him or we reject Him. And when we accept the Son of God, when we accept what Jesus did on the cross for our sins, that brings us into the family of God. Remember, it's not about what you do that gets you into heaven. It's about what Jesus did. And all you have to do is accept what Jesus did. I encourage you to do that. Does that make you perfect? Absolutely not. Does that mean you're not going to mess up? Nope, you're going to mess up. All it does is it brings you into the family of God and now you get to rely upon God and God begins to work in your life and God begins to change you as you set your affection on him and as you put him first, as you make him the priority of your life. I know this, God wants to spend an eternity with you and he's done everything that he possibly could 
to make that happen for you. So let's pray together. Father, we love you so very much, and I thank you for each person listening, and I thank you for your love for us. I thank you that you loved us first, that we're only able to love you because you loved us. Father, you didn't just love us from afar, but you sent your son to die on behalf of our sins, to take the punishment for our sins. Father, today we embrace you. We embrace what Jesus did on the cross for us personally. I thank you that Jesus died for my sins, for my past. I thank you that his death has given me forgiveness and given each person listening forgiveness. Father, today we surrender ourselves to you that our lives would be about your purpose, that we would be citizens of heaven and not citizens of this earth. Father, I ask that you would help us to fix our thoughts upon heaven so that it changes our life. It changes how we live. Father, not just our thoughts about heaven, but our thoughts about you and your love for us. Father, remind us that this world is not our home. Let heaven give us joy, let it give us hope, and let it fill us with anticipation of your goodness to us that is coming for us. Father, thank you for your promises that give us strength. Thank you for your promises that give us life. Thank you for your promises that connect us to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And I want to encourage you today that you would spend some of your day thinking about heaven, thinking about what is to come, thinking about what it's going to be like, thinking about how much better it's going to be, thinking about being together with God, thinking about being reunited with those that you love, thinking about the wholeness that you're going to experience in your life. Let that pump strength into your bloodstream. Let that fill you with faith and excitement and joy. Listen, I say this every week, but I just want to remind you, get into a small group, get into a connection group, surround yourself with people that are going to love you and pray with you and support you and do life with you. If you want to attend a connection group here at The Quest, scan the QR code and you will find information about connection groups there and where you can go. Also, once again, thank you guys for your financial support, for your financial faithfulness. Thank you for your gifts of investment into the kingdom of God and specifically into what God's doing here at The Quest and what God's called us to do. We would love to pray with you. We would love to connect with you if that's in fact something you would like to do. And if it is, just scan the QR code and connect with us and allow us to pray with you. What a privilege it is to be a part of your day. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being a part of us. Thank you for being with us today. We look forward to seeing you next week. God's best to you. Have a great week. Bye-bye.